how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're vital. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome back to Creative Principles. I am your host, Brock Swinson. Now, normally this is where I interview amazing writers, screenwriters, authors, creatives, musicians, all types. But over the next 15 or 16 episodes, we're doing something very special and actually giving away my first book, Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers, the full audiobook over these next several episodes. If it's your first time here, make sure to hit that subscribe button. We will be back to interviews very soon. But this is part of my mission this year to give away 100,000 copies of my book. So if you haven't already grabbed your copy, go over to brockswinson.com. You'll see a link to the PDF. That's a digital download and audiobook, which you're about to listen to here. You'll also see at brockswinson.com access to things like the free 30-day prolific writing challenge and also some other challenges built around writing, such as the Upwork Unfair Advantage, which will teach you how to be a six-figure freelancer. You can also find courses such as how to write a nonfiction book in 12 weeks and some upcoming screenwriting and TV writing courses as well, along with my brand new one-on-one mentorship, Storyteller Launchpad. All that's over at brockswinson.com, but now let's jump into Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers. In this book, which I wrote around episode 250 of the podcast, across these episodes, you'll learn things like how to annihilate a writer's block by embracing the playful trickster mentality or how to weaponize your anxiety with the different is better approach, how to defend your time with the calendar anorexia mindset, what it means to create ruthless prioritization and use the urgent versus important system, and probably most importantly, how to avoid self-sabotage. It's all on the pages of Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers. And make sure to join my email list to learn about my upcoming book, The Self-Reliant Artist. All that's over at brockswinson.com. Chapter 5. Make Your World Small The worm in the radish doesn't think there's anything sweeter. Shalom Elikim there's a scene in Zack Snyder's Man of Steel where Clark Kent thinks back on a moment of Zen from his past. As a boy, he hears the cloth of the American flag blowing in the wind outside of his classroom. The teacher's chalk screeches across the chalkboard. His fellow classmates move and squirm in their seats as every movement parallels the sound of gunfire on a battlefield. Are you listening, Clark? asks his teacher. Oh, he's listening. He's listening too well. The boy is taking in everything, but more so than other students because he's discovering the hypersensitive emotions that will later turn him into the iconic Superman. A dog barks outside. He hears it as if he's inches from his face. The teacher's high heels click-clack on the floor like drums beating in his ears. Her muffled voice, meanwhile, sounds like an echo coming from the bottom of a well. Hearing the shrunken voice amidst the chaos is out of the boy's control. Then he sees her. Actually, he sees through her. His x-ray vision reveals a skeleton in front of him. He hears her heartbeat, then he sees it. Her heart is literally pumping in front of him. 
At this point, as he notices the zombie-like skeletons around him, the boy has somewhat of a, a panic attack, which results in his hiding in a closet and the teacher calling his mother. How can I help you if you won't let me in? asks his mother from outside the door. The world is too big, Mom, says the frightened boy in the janitor's closet. Then make it smaller, she replies. Four words, four simple words that represent an idea powerful enough to help a young boy see his full potential. Four words transform an ordinary boy into a superman. Clark's foster mother made him superman, not the powers from his biological parents. By focusing on the small things, Clark could later focus on the big things. This is a superpower everyone needs, especially in today's noisy world. The phone vibrates, the email pops up, someone knocks at the door. Honestly, none of it matters. Without focus, time, prioritization, and discipline, superpowers matter not. Like Clark Kent, we all need to avoid the noise in order to focus on the things that matter most. Focus is the superpower. Focus drowns out the noise. Focus is everything. But the good news is that everyone has this superpower. All you need to do is make your world small. In that regard, the noise is an advantage, not an obstruction. You just need to understand how to harness it. There's good noise and bad noise. Good noise can inspire you in the form of books and mentors. Bad noise can derail you in the form of excess entertainment and watered-down information. Sometimes liabilities appear to be assets, but the key is simply to take action. Find the best, quote, noise you can find and begin your journey. If you can't tell the difference, begin with an open mind and a skeptical eye. The bad noise will identify itself. It's not worth your time. It knows you. You know it. The good noise will push you closer to your goals and narrow your focus. In Marie Carr's The Art of Memoir, she writes, A memoir starts off fumbling, jotting down facts, recounting anecdotes. It may take a writer hundreds of rough trial pages for a way of speaking to start to emerge, unique to himself and his experience. But when he does, both carnal and interior experiences come back with clarity, and the work gains an electrical charge. For the reader, the voice has to exist from the first sentence. This, of course, is the challenge. You have to uncover your voice. It's there. It's just not organized. It's not ready. It's part of the noise until you distill it. When you write anything long form, you will literally get better during the process. This means, assuming you write in chronological order, your last section will be written better than your first. Rewriting is writing. Rewriting is everything. But if you feel stuck, each genre or type of storytelling has rules to follow, which takes pressure from the dreaded blank page. The rules light the way, the genre tells you the direction, the path will reveal itself when you take action. Novels have intricate plots, verse has musical forms, history and biography enjoy the sheen of objective truth, writes Carr. In memoir, one event follows another. Birth leads to puberty, leads to sex. The books are held tighter by happenstance's theme and, most powerfully, the sheer, convincing poetry of a single person trying to make sense of the past. It's through this difficulty that a voice will start to float to the surface. The discipline creates freedom. The freedom creates voice. If you disagree... Think how many films have been made from 120-page scripts, or how many books have been written on 300 black-and-white pages. Because there are rules, there is a destination. The rules invite the voice. Developing a voice is actually learning how to lodge your own memories inside someone else's head. 
The only way to develop a voice is to write your way into one, explains Carr. The voice in memoir often comes from a point of pain, but also from moments of great joy. Like all forms of writing, the goal is to elicit emotion. Getting sophisticated about coronal writing means selecting sensual data, items, odors, sounds, to recount details based on their psychological effects on a reader, Carr concludes. Memoir is in its ascendancy, not because it is corrupt, but because the best ones openly confess the nature of their corruption. Aside from the rules, the greatest factor in deciding what makes or breaks the material lies in the responsibility of the writer. John McPhee clarifies this statement in his iconic book, Draft Number 4. You have only one criterion. If something interests you, it goes in. If not, it stays out. That's a crude way to assess things, but it's all you've got. Forget market research. Never market research your writing. Write on subjects in which you have enough interest to see you through all the stops, starts, hesitations, and other impediments along the way. Simplicity, therefore, is the best way to discuss characters, problems, and conflicts. We can argue about market research later. Through simplicity, you can create your own little world, and you can make sure you're contributing good noise to the world, rather than bad noise to derail other writers. Through simplicity, you can shine a light on your private world, not only to help others understand your values, but so you too can better understand what drives you. Joan Didion famously admitted, I don't know what I think until I write it down. In Constructing My Private World, writes W.H. Alden, I discovered that, though this was a game, that is to say, something I was free to do or not as I chose, not a necessity like eating or sleeping, no game can be played without rules. He adds, a secondary world must be as much a world of law as the primary. One may be free to decide what these laws shall be, but laws there must be. Through simplicity and rules, your world can shrink your thoughts and create manageable sentences, paragraphs, and stories. The greater world is there, of course, but it's there for inspiration, not distraction. Use it as a tool. Think of your small focus world as an umbrella that can be used to shield water or to capture it depending on whether it's opened as intended or sitting upside down in a storm. Jessica Scharzer told me, The thing that's comforting for a writer is that genres have certain expectations and rules. It's not like writing in a void or a blank page. You have certain expectations from the audience. If you have an ambitious goal of writing books, creating films, or anything in between, sometimes you must take a back seat in order to clarify your vision. Sometimes you charge forward, sometimes you hang back. It's a dance to complete the draft. I think the director's best friend is compromise, says director Louis Leterrier, while working on the epic puppet series Dark Crystal for Netflix. I knew the task was so massive that sometimes I had to take a back seat. In the writer's room, I love to be present on breaking story, but relaxed on dialogue. He adds, It's a dance between the writers, myself, and the puppet builders, so everyone can bring their ideas. You just listen. Don't fight back. Let the idea grow. You plant ideas and let them grow into truths. For plants to grow, they need time. For ideas to grow, they need patience. The rules push forward the story, but only when you can make your world small enough to dictate the story, small enough to hear one plot, small enough to hear one sentence, small enough to hear one word after another. Truth teller Michael Singer wrote two books about the same incident in his life, but the rules he forced himself to follow created two very different books. In The Surrender Experiment, Michael Singer wrote a memoir. In The Untethered Soul, 
Michael Singer wrote a self-help book. Same story, different rules, one small world. Not understanding the rules, on the other hand, creates conflict in the art. Comedian Jerry Seinfeld says, Poetry is bad stand-up. It's carefully chosen words that have no laugh at the end. Documentarian Ken Burns said, Steven Spielberg and I obey the same rules of storytelling. The only difference is that he can make shit up and I can't. Breaking the rules breaks the story unless your audience wants you to break the story. Creating small worlds is particularly vital in rooms packed with various collaborators. It's a very mysterious process writing with a group to find consensus, admitted Sam Shaw while working on the WGN series Manhattan. It's an aristocratic process. You put a bunch of smart people together in a room who have different life experiences and you debate until you find an idea that's hopefully better than any one individual idea. Shaw concluded, it's tricky though, because at some point, someone needs to be an arbiter and legislate a point of view as to how to move forward. Some see the collaboration as freedom, others see it as a hindrance, but everyone needs to follow a set of rules, even if the rules feel limiting at first. Luke Davies says, I put my heart and soul into the stuff I work on through the very intense process of a feedback loop with the other people on the project. I feel the satisfaction of having done hard work, and now it's out of my control. I like that feeling. In the phenomenal Netflix series, The Haunting of Hill House, the rules were everything. To connect to a wider audience, tell your personal stories wrapped in the cloak of a universal and popular genre. Lean into the requirements and the tropes of that genre and let the devil be in the details, creator Mike Flanagan told me. Let the personal story you're telling be nice and nestled within that, as opposed to trying to change the world with something so specifically personal it can't find the audience. The hope was that if we could strip away all the genre elements, that it would still stand up as a character-driven, effective family drama, he said. That was always the criteria we were operating under. The horror elements are most effective when they bolster human drama, when they are born of the characters instead of something that the characters are reacting to. Through the tropes, Flanagan found freedom. Ghost stories can always bring back characters in another form, he said. The Haunting of Hill House had this freedom because of the supernatural crux of it to bring back people in different forms or resurrect them entirely. So it's far less frightening to imagine killing a character who can be a ghost in the next episode. Beyond the script, he created his own rules on set to capture everything he needed for the edit, to make something remarkable, yet also rewatchable, appointment viewing for horror fans every Halloween. Every step I take, when I sit down to write, or how I approach the scene, I'm only thinking about the edit. At that point, all the other voices, all of the pressure, whether we're over or under budget, all of that doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is the footage that's in my bin. More footage for me means fewer options. It changes the kinds of things I'll create. It affects where I stage things geographically within a story. It completely affects my shortlisting process and my scene breakdowns on set. It changes how I deal with actors because I'm thinking entirely about the edit. I'm not trying to get options. I'm trying to get what I need to build what I know I want to make. Flanagan is trying to keep his world small so he knows what type of world he's creating. The small focus helps the big picture. Other creatives bounce back and forth between the various stages of creation. Ken Burns says, It's all part of the tenacity and the perseverance and constant investigation. 
If you limit yourself to one research period, one writing period, one shooting period, one editing period, one finishing period, you limit the possibility of discovering what makes the film better. Why wouldn't you want to do that down to the very end? Why wouldn't you be open to the very end? Ken Burns' Small World is only concerned with truth. Complexity kills motivation, which is why lasering in on one keystone goal changes the game, writes Benjamin Hardy. A single goal allows for a more streamlined path, which allows you to not only see the outcome, but also the path to making the outcome real. This skyrockets motivation. Benjamin Hardy's small world is only concerned with a singular focus. What's great about The Stranger Comes to Town is that you know where you're going, says writer-director Scott Teams. It sets up an ending, meaning he's either going to get caught or he's not. The tension comes from outside and pushes on the scene. Every scene has been loaded with tension, so you can let characters be and allow for silence because even the silence is loaded when the tension comes from outside. Scott Team's small world is only concerned with creating tension on the screen. Once you've exhausted your standard settings, consider gathering your characters and sending them into the great outside world for some fresh perspective, writes Chuck Palahniuk. The larger world reminds characters of their smallness and mortality, and it prompts them to take disastrous action. Chuck Palahniuk's small world is only concerned with making the unbelievable believable. In Jack White's one-minute song, Little Room, he sings, While you're in your little room and you're working on something good, but if it's really good, you're going to need a bigger room. And when you're in your bigger room, you might not know what to do. You might have to think of how you got started sitting in your little room. Jack White's small world is only concerned with recognizing how to remain creatively hungry in a slightly larger world. The poet William Blake writes, to see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wild flower, hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. William Blake's small world is only concerned with noticing the smallness in the natural world. While it's true that limiting your views in life can make you foolish and ignorant, it's also true that without selective ignorance, you will never be the writer you wish to become. What concerns fill your small world? How will you push against the unhealthy instinct to grow your world? How will you hear the small voice that matters most amidst the noise that matters not? Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. If it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.